I would say we learned a lot prior to investing, but we learned the most actually investing. I would never recommend someone buy a bad deal for their first deal, but that first deal is so monumental in your investing career that there are just so many lessons that you can't learn from reading a book. And while you need to read the books and you need to listen to the podcast, you also just need to take action and do it yourself. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. We are a family on a journey towards financial and location independence. Each week, we interview successful real estate entrepreneurs about their chosen investment strategy and rate it based on how much money it took to get started, how long it took to educate themselves, how passive it is, and whether or not they could do it from anywhere in the world. Welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. If you like our show, the easiest way for you to give back is to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Head on over to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions on how to do that. We would be so grateful. All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom. Hey guys, Neil here. Uh, Before we get to this week's show, I want to make you an offer. You can do a video chat with me. It's completely free. There's no pitch. This is not a sales pitch. I don't have any kind of a mentoring program. I'm not selling anything. This is literally just a way for me to connect with other real estate investors and being a working, uh, working dad with uh, a son at home. This is much easier for me to do than trying to go to a couple of real estate meetups a week. So again, if you're interested, anything you want to talk about, if you're an experienced investor, a brand new investor, we can talk about anything and everything you want to talk about with uh, real estate investing. Just go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash connect and uh, fill out the form there to schedule a call. And I look forward to speaking with you. So let's get to the show. Greetings, friends and families. I'm Neil. And I'm Brittany. You're listening to the Road to Family Freedom podcast. Our guests this week are a husband and wife team who are building their way towards long-term wealth with buy and hold rental properties. Their journey started in 2017. And since that time, they've purchased four properties, starting with a house hack of a duplex and recently the addition of a triplex, all while holding down full-time jobs. I hate you a little bit. (laughs) They run the excellent Instagram account when you rent... (laughs) They run the excellent Instagram account, Rentals. Rentals. Good Lord, Neil. Just keep going. It's fine. <laughs> they run the excellent Instagram account, Rentals to Wealth. Lauren and Kyle Clugston, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. I can already tell this show's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. <laughs> it usually, it usually is. It was a little. <laughs> we hate you. The <laughs> great way to start. <laughs> welcome. No, 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 I'm Jealous. Kidding. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Anyway, so do you recall an aha moment for you guys when it came to, oh yeah, real estate investing, that's where we want to go? I, I would say there's a few of those moments. Before we got started, that moment was kind of many years. <laughs> so we had analysis paralysis for a while, learned about the idea of real estate investing right when we got out of college, I would say, yeah. but didn't necessarily have the money yet or the resources or as much motivation yet. You know, we were just getting started into our careers. We were still eager about them, still excited. Didn't necessarily didn't necessarily have goals to maybe cut those careers a little shorter than we do now. But it we 
felt like we needed a lot of education. So we took a lot of time for that. But in that education point is when we realized, wow, you know, there's power in investing, there's power in wealth building, and there's power in putting in a lot of work now that will benefit us for years and years and years to come. Yeah. So like my my career, I have a forced retirement age. And my father was in the same line of work for the same uh, department. So I knew that when he retired, he had to get another full-time job, which is something that I'm not trying to have to do. I, when I retire, I want to be done. Mm-hmm. So that when Lauren brought it up to me, she is actually the one that brought the investment in, in real estate to me. And I jumped on board because I knew that that was something that I wanted to be able to have financial freedom to be able to retire and be done. No second jobs, nothing. And then I would kind of say that our second aha moment was probably after we finished our renovations in our house hack and had our tenant move in and the mortgage payment came and we didn't have to pay it. Yeah. <laughs> this works. Yeah, this works. <laughs> and, and we kept kind of telling people about the idea and, you know, some people would kind of joking like, is this illegal? And I'm like, no, I swear it's... <laughs> you still tell people, they're like, that's not legal what you're doing. And I said, no, it is. <laughs> but I would say it was kind of those two moments when we first realized the idea of investing in general and then when it started working for us for the first time. Yeah. That makes sense. Gotcha. So you were all in for about 187000 correct? That's correct. That's, yeah. that's what the purchase price and the renovations cost. Did you have to come to the table with 20% of that total cost or just the purchase price? Just the purchase price. And then for renovations, we had about 50000 in cash. And then the rest actually put on 0% interest yeah. credit cards, which I wouldn't recommend for people starting out. But I trusted us to and be we responsible knew we were and we knew we were going to refi and be able to pay it back. So we u- utilized cash and then credit cards to do the renovation. And we, after six months, we moved in. Yeah. After seven months, we had our tenants move in. And then I would say probably about a month later, we started the refinance process and we're able to cash out. We didn't pull out all of the, you know, up to 80% like we could have. We wanted to be conservative and stay safe and keep the numbers in a way where they would cash flow pretty well. So we probably took out 35000 yeah. So paid back their credit cards and put a little bit of money back in our pockets. But the numbers numbers work out great. Especially in the area that, we're, mm-hmm. that we bought this house in, houses will definitely appraise because that refi appraisal isn't necessarily what it would appraise for if we were going to sell it or mm-hmm. buy it. So it could definitely appraise higher than what we... Right. Ended up taking out So while we were living there, we paid $50 a month towards the mortgage. And when we moved awesome. out, yeah. And now, and then now that we moved out, we cash flow after hard expenses, after putting aside for reserves, I'm like very risk averse. We cash flow about $300 a month. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. And what, uh, what is the overall rent on like on the two sides of that duplex? Mm-hmm. So the first floor unit that we did not occupy was a two bed, one bath, and currently rents for fourteen forty. And then the second and that was right around thirteen hundred square feet. Yeah, it's about thirteen hundred square feet. And then the second floor unit, which is the one we were living in, is a one bedroom, one bath, and now rents for ten fifty. And um, tenants are responsible for water, sewer, and all that good stuff. So you guys are do it yourself everything from the renovation to the management, everything. How did you go about getting yourselves educated along the various skills that are required to to execute that correctly? Yeah, so Lauren and I both have very specific roles when it comes to our strategy. She 
has read, I think, every single real estate investment book that's out there. <laughs> and I'm not joking. She goes over the top to make sure that she is prepared. So she does everything pre-close and management. And I do everything that requires that's required during the renovation, managing subs, and then kind of managing our project from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So the, the roles are very specific. So well, how did you learn doing construction? Oh, uh, so yeah, I mean, the construction, I grew up, my father was a DIY kind of guy and jack of all trades. And he just growing up, just projects, doing a window, doing a door. And then Hurricane Sandy hit and our, we have a house in Seaside Park. And that was the first time that all of those skills were put into one project. So when we bought our first property, it was like, I mean, it was just all of that put together. And it was like, we, we can definitely just continue to do this. Mm-hmm. I would say we learned a lot prior to investing, but we learned the most Absolutely. actually investing. 100%. I would never recommend someone buy a bad deal for their first deal, but that first deal is so monumental in your investing career that there are just so many lessons that you can't learn from reading a book. And while you need to read the books and you need to listen to the podcast, you also just need to take action and do it yourself. Yeah, I, I I can't agree more. We we struggled with the same thing for the longest time. I struggled with a lot of a lot of analysis paralysis, and you know, I was I'm still a highly highly educated real estate investor with not I didn't have as much action. It wasn't until we started really just finding a small deal to get started on. It's not so many people when they discover real estate go out there and try and find a home run. You know, how can I hit a home run? Home run and you know make. $500 a month in cash flow or something's going to allow me to retire in, in a month, whatever. And you really got to focus on just finding a base hit, just finding something that's not going to, it's not going to bankrupt you if it, go, if it goes wrong, but it's also not going to make you rich if it goes well. Absolutely. And that's why we're huge advocates for the house hack as the first deal, because you're living it, you're living, listing it, you're living, getting a lease together, mm-hmm. stuff that you may have never done before you're going to be living somewhere anyway. So it's a safe bet. Mm -hmm. It's also, there's a little bit more leniency, at least in New Jersey, when you're house hacking, because since it is your primary residence, you don't necessarily have to follow fair housing laws when it comes to renting. And while we would never, you know, purposely break any of those rules, when it was our first time, it was comforting knowing that we can kind of choose who we wanted to live in our home based off of, you know, our opinions and our screening process. Yeah. So what was the hardest thing, what was the most challenging thing that you think you had to tackle when it came to renovation? <laughs> so many things. So, many, so I, I would say probably the finding the order in which you should renovate. So real life example, we decided to renovate the downstairs unit and then move to the upstairs and dealing with a house that used to be a single family home, the plumbing ran straight up through the walls and up to the second floor. So we finished the downstairs, sheetrocked everything, and then we realized that we had a leak in the tub upstairs, completely ruined sheetrock downstairs, and we had to re-tear it out. So instead of doing now, we know to renovate by trade <laughs> instead of by the unit. So we do all the plumbing, all the electric, HVAC, and mm-hmm. then close everything in. So that was a learning experience. And then just managing subs, really. If you're going to DIY projects where, and I don't, I think it's like this all over the country, except for a few little states, but the homeowner can act as the GC to pull permits. So if you're going to GC the project, just managing subs. We've had so many times where 
people have told us that they're going to show up to do work and we trust that they're going to show up to do work. And Lauren's like, well, did you follow up? And I'm like, but he said he was going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, managing, just, just managing subs, you know, in what I do for a living, I don't manage a team. So I'm not in that sort of role yet. So Mm -hmm. that was totally new for me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a house slipper friend here in Las Vegas who talks about, he's like, if I'm not showing up to my properties every single day, I will show up the next day and there'll be piles of Negro Modelo sitting somewhere. Oh yeah. No work has been done. You know? Oh, see, that's what I think the most work's gotten done is when I find <laughs> oh, yeah. the model. <laughs> I said, oh, well, the sheetrocking must be done or, or yeah. whatever they were working on that day must be done. Yeah, yeah. At least you know they were there. Yeah, at least you know they were there. I mean, that's true too. Kyle, do you mind us asking uh, what you do for a living right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a New Jersey State Trooper. The schedule's great. I switch back and forth in days and midnights, but I get a three-day weekend every other weekend the way the shift rotation works. So it goes really well with, with our DIY mentality into real estate investment. So. Yeah, definitely. Because sometimes he'll, he'll have off two days during the week, which is perfect when you have to pull permits or do stuff um, within the town and with construction. And then I kind of work a normal nine-to-five. And so I'm allowed to be there, allowed. So I'm able to be there on the weekends. Um, but I also have a pretty flexible work schedule where I get to work from home one day a week. And that's really helpful if I need to run somewhere, or do an errand, I'm able to do so. Gotcha. And what do you do, Lauren? I am in video production and digital marketing. Okay, great. Awesome. Similar, similar to what I do as well. So not, just not marketing. But. <laughs> so what did you, what was the, what's been the biggest challenge learning to be a, a DIY landlord? like managing tenants and things like that. (laughs) He's staring at me because (laughs) I just assume everyone is good. And I assume that whatever story you are telling me is truth. And And you're the wife wife of a New Jersey state trooper. (laughs) (laughs) We always say that we balance each other out really well. And through this process, we keep learning that in so many different things, the way that we solve challenges, the way that we go about coming up with ideas, and especially when we go about screening tenants. So I assume that if their grandmother died six times, that they just must have a lot of grandmothers. You know, I don't necessarily question them. And obviously, Kyle then comes and gut checks me and is, is like, they're lying to your face. What are you doing? So fortunately, we haven't had any major issues. We have had really great tenants and I haven't had to, and my vulnerability and gullibility hasn't screwed us over yet, but that definitely has taken a lot. So what we've kind of done with that is really just kind of made a process, created a system, and then just stick to it. By doing so, it allows no space for emotions to get in the way. And then I can just say, I'm sorry, that's the policy. I'm sorry, that's just how this process works. And it's not necessarily me being the bad guy, it's the process is being the bad guy. So that's been helpful. And Lauren, Lauren set up a really good screening process where she doesn't have to deny people. People actually self disqualify. Disqualify. The first time we were looking for a tenant, every person that wanted to see the house, I showed it to them because of course we, the more eyes, the better. Right. And we were wasting, well, maybe not wasting so much time because we live there, but constantly reworking our schedules to make sure we can meet somebody at a certain time. And then they wouldn't show up and it became very time consuming. And then our second property when it was 20 minutes away, that was really inconvenient. So we came up with a pre-screening questionnaire, which just asks people basic questions that meet with our rental guidelines. And most people just don't even fill it out, which self disqualifies them right there. And then a lot of people fill it out, but 
a volunteer information that would disqualify them. So for example, have you ever been evicted? Yes. Okay. Well, we, part of our rental criteria is we don't accept people who have been evicted. And then it just helps us narrow down the tenants and only show to people who are most likely going to be qualified and who are most likely going to work with us. And another example of that is straight up put in the ad five person max occupancy based on our CO and they'll volunteer the information that it's going to be seven people and three dogs. Well, unfortunately you're not, you're not, this isn't going to be a good fit for you. So it really just helps us narrow down the search and not only, you know, save our time, but save the prospective tenant time as well. And money. Cause it's going to cost them money to put in the application. Cause mm-hmm. then we have to run a credit and, and criminal background check mm-hmm. and that all costs money. So it saves them the, the fee for the application as well. Definitely. Gotcha. Sense. And then are you able to run any kind of a check that shows, I don't know, shows whether or not they've ever been evicted? Are you able to, to, does that show up on any kind of records? It does show up on the criminal check, I believe. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. You talked a little bit about the way that you're able to sort of manage holding down your full-time jobs and, and do all this, but can you talk about some of the challenges and the way you've sort of tackled them? So I would say that the biggest for me is that when I'm at work, it's tough for me to do anything else. So if I'm managing subs and they're trying to call me during the day, it's tough for me to get to my phone. And anybody that you talk to that knows me is like, Kyle sucks with his phone. He will not answer you. <laughs> it's not that I'm just looking at it and saying, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not answering you. That's, that's kind of the toughest for me, especially because that falls under my responsibilities. That's been my biggest hurdle so far. Mm-hmm. And we've just been able to kind of work with that in setting expectations with the contractors. You know, Kyle's on a swing of nights right now. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions, please reach out to me or just don't expect an answer for a little while. Or he'll just preemptively have that conversation and check in with them prior to to make sure all things are taken care of. Or just go on no sleep. <laughs> I operate days. On- <laughs> <laughs> or I just don't want to sleep, which happens a lot. But other ways that we're able to kind of make investing work with full-time is just implementing some more systems. You know, sometimes I feel like systems is like too much of a, of a word. Just creating things to creating things that you could do early to help you on in the future. Yeah. So one very simple thing is in the acquisition process, when you go to get a loan, the mortgage lender asks for lots of documents. And if you don't do that often, it takes a while to get all those documents. You got to pull your past due pay sub. You got to get your past um, tax return. You got, it takes a little bit of time to gather all these things. So I just make sure that we always have them up to date. Even if we're not shopping for a new property at all, I just make sure I have them. And then this way, when we boom, we find a house, I zip it up in a folder and send it over. That's something I don't have to worry about. I try to do, we both try to do a lot of work beforehand to help us when things are more chaotic later on. And then just with renovations. Yeah. So we've, it's, it's taken us a little while to get our group of subs that we enjoy using, that we work well together. They, they don't crush our pockets. And that was something that was huge. And we've now developed that. So we use the same subs over and over again. They know what to, what I expect from them. So they can go unmanaged now at this point. (laughs) We also use the same material all the time. So we're able to walk into a property that we may be interested in purchasing and be able to come up with a number renovation cost number by the time we leave. Mm -hmm. Because we know what we're putting, same appliances, the same material, we get the same places. So that's Mm -hmm. that's huge. That's huge for us to to have a spreadsheet that when we're analyzing, we we know if it's a good deal, Mm -hmm. what we're putting our 
Yeah. Our first property, I think we spent so much time looking for the perfect flooring, researching which one's the most durable, then picking the color and finding the matching paint. And it it was fun. Believe me, I had so much fun doing it. But now we're at the point where it's like, okay, we know the SKUs, let's just go buy them. And so that saves a lot of time. And then with the managing part, find good tenants and managing will be easier. So I know that sounds easier said than done, but the better you pre-screen and screen prior to even placing them, the easier management will be. Our tenants are great. They always communicate prior to anything. If they are going to pay late, they always let me know. I never have to find out. But there are some other things that we can do. First off, we use an online rent tool. We use cozy.co. So they pay their rent online. I get an email letting me know if they paid it or not. And then it goes into our account. And then also this year, I just started using a kind of like transaction tracking software, which is just Stessa. They have a web um, feature. And I used to, for our first three properties, scan and enter in every single transaction. And as you can imagine on your first couple of properties, when you're DIYing everything, you go to Home Depot like a lot. And I'm meaning <laughs> four or five, maybe six times a day. There yeah. are lots of receipts. And I was individually scanning and entering each one into an Excel spreadsheet, which is a horrible waste of time. So now <laughs> I just use Stessa. We hook up our credit cards. They all like magically appear in a nice spreadsheet. And then I just go in once a month and just make sure everything tracked and maybe enter in some checks or something. And that was huge come tax time. I mean, that was huge to have everything organized. Definitely. I bet. I bet. Do you have any people assistance or anything like that? That are you just fully, it's just you two? We don't yet. Yeah, we don't yet. We would like to eventually get there once we start to kind of pull ourselves away a little bit. And, um, but I think where we're at right now, we're still in the building stages of our portfolio. So we really love what we're doing and we love where we're at. So we're going to keep running with uh, kind of taking the reins on mm-hmm. finding the deals. And we do have one realtor that we do go to. Mm-hmm. I guess it, we don't obviously employ him and there's no contract with mm-hmm. him or anything like that. But other than that, in ourselves. I would say know, that's another thing, how you say we use a lot of the same subs. We use the same real estate agent, the same lender, the same insurance company. And... Instead of every time, hi, my name's Lauren. This is what we're interested in doing. It's, hey, Craig, here's the house. Can you give me a quote? Okay, great. And everything's done. So that's been helpful. So we kind of do have this little team in place that helps make things more efficient, but obviously they're not part of our team. But I would say in the near future, we do want to look to make things a little bit more efficient, maybe with a virtual assistant of some kind. So I have been trying to focus on creating more standard operating procedures and documenting everything. I was just reading a book everything's in my head right now. What good is that for anyone else besides me? (laughs) So I'm really trying to focus on documenting everything and really just creating these nice lists that if we do hand it off to somebody, we're able to do so. What was the book? Oh yeah. What was the book? I was actually curious too because I didn't read it. Uh, Traction. I just started it. So I can't dive too deep into it, but so far it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do decide to start passing off uh, things to someone else, what would be the first thing you're like, Oh, Done. Here you go. I would say maintenance. Yeah, for right, sure. Right now, this is my maintenance man. <laughs> and for the most part, it's been fine. Like I said, well, actually, we didn't say this. When we do our renovations, we take care of all of the CapEx items. We want to make sure everything, we, we want to make sure all the CapEx is front loaded from the beginning to help decrease any issues down the line. And because we do that, we have very few maintenance requests. Yeah. But when we do, 
we're the ones going to them. We do have some like handymen that we reach out to occasionally. And I'll but, tell you what, are the guys that we have kind of developed have been actually our one go-to is a contractor that we actually had to let go because he was moving a little slow. He's a, he's a one man show, but Lauren had a great point when we, when he was working for us was maybe he's not good for a full home renovation, but where does he fit kind of into where we are? Yeah. Well, you know, he knows his way around everything. He's been in the business 30 years. He's a little bit of an older guy. So I just offered him, Hey, can I call you if I have somebody with a leaky faucet? Yeah, sure. There you go. That's how we developed that relationship. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a, the right person. I just think he was in the wrong seat. So we just kind of Correct. switched that strategy exactly. a little bit. And yeah. now he, he's really valuable. So I think just leaning on that more, it's so easy when it's convenient for you to just do the stuff yourself, but that really screws you over when it's not convenient. And now you don't have the system or the team in place. Yeah. We're big beach people. So we go down the shore. We're an hour and a half from all of our properties I would like to, in the summer, on a Friday night, not get a call that you know something's leaking and have to go drive all the way mm-hmm. to where our properties are. Definitely. So, I'm. He knows all of the real estate stuff, like the <laughs> the details. <laughs> I I joke that I'm just the pretty face sometimes, um, <laughs> but true. with the so I I know some stuff. But with the you said you you do all the capex expenses yourself. Does that mean like you're replacing everything? like all the big stuff. Tell me so what- we, there's things that we find really important to take care of on the front end, which would be where we invest. Everything is cast iron or galvanized waistlines and water lines. So they will rot from the inside out. So they'll get a lot of problems where along the long horizontal run in the basement, right before it goes out to the street, it'll back up there and it'll start backing up through the whole house. So we immediately always cut that long horizontal run out and replace it with PVC. If we can get through the whole thing, we'll replace the whole thing. We replace all appliances. Yep. We will usually redo the roof yep. if it's even close to near its end of its life. I'm a big advocate for taking care of the exterior before you even start anything inside mm-hmm. because you're going to end up, you could have some water issues that you don't know about. Gutters are a huge thing that people don't think about and they will back water up through the soffit and then into your house so easily. Water is your yeah. worst enemy. We always install a sub pump. We're in New Jersey along the coast, so there's always water issues. Yeah. We always do new toilets yep. and then any corresponding plumbing with that. So, I mean, we, we always buy homes that are in need of repair. So most of these things need to be replaced anyway. Yeah. I don't know if I would have ripped up you know, a brand new toilet just for the sake of putting one in that I installed. but Yeah, it, it cuts down on the maintenance call and everything's now warranted. Yeah, so. and nice and shiny for tenants. <laughs> Gotcha. Totally makes sense. Well, and it makes a huge difference. You know, we're in the same boat where we, when we burr a property, we, we take care of all the major capex. And so it increase, you know, it sort of also increases your cash flow. I mean, you do want to be, you don't want to be counting on that money, but it does relieve some of that. You know, you're not going to have the, you're not going to have to replace the roof in five years. And our, our plan is probably to hold these things, not necessarily forever, but, you know, 10 years down the road, it'll still be a nice enough property that we could turn around and sell it. And they're not going to be dealing with tons of deferred maintenance and things like that. Exactly. And it took us, it took me a little while to realize that. So because I'm the keeper of the budget, I was always making sure we need to stay on budget when you stay on budget. And Kyle was always the one that wanted to add the extra frills that I didn't necessarily think were needed for a rental property. But where he did always win the battle was 
Lord, we are going to be the ones owning this, hopefully, you know, for 10, 20, 25, 30 years, maybe. Do you want to be pissed at yourself in the future because you cheaped out and didn't spend the money to do new plumbing or new whatever here? I was like, all it's right. tough to, to <laughs> drop that amount of money and something that you don't even see. So that's um, what killed me. You know, you'd write a check for thousands of thousand dollars to a plumber. And I'm like, great. No one even gets to see this. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we want to try to really capitalize on what the rents could be and maximize them, we want to add washer dryer in the unit, a dishwasher. How are you going to add a dishwasher and take a lower out without replacing the countertop? And then all of a sudden it's a slippery slope and you're replacing the whole kitchen. <laughs> that makes sense. What does, in, in regards to your real estate investing, what does a day in the life of a property manager look like for you guys? If we are doing a turnover, I would say I probably spend around four to six hours a week just answering prospective tenant emails, sending them the questionnaire, scheduling time to show them the unit, showing them the unit, talking on the phone with them, filling out the application and screen and, you know, reviewing all the documentation. If we don't have any turnovers and we're not actively working on a project, maybe an hour a month, just reviewing financials, making sure everyone paid, sending a letter if they didn't. If there's a maintenance call, you know, maybe two hours a month, but it's pretty, it's pretty passive and low and requires low maintenance, not actively trying to build a portfolio. When we're working on a project, I mean, it is legit another full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. What does your deal flow look like? How are you guys finding most of the properties that you, you end up purchasing? On the MLS, uh, only one of them was off market. And that was the one that we just bird and utilized to purchase the triplex. That one was, we met the owner and she was having some issues with the property and she was in a tough spot. So we were able to come to a deal and uh, purchase that. Mm -hmm. And it was actually two doors down from the property we had just bought previously. So we had our eye on it mm -hmm. and weren't necessarily actively trying to buy it. And then, you know, this opportunity kind of came in, you know, it's funny. I am, I like want to send out mailers so bad. And I read <laughs> all the books to do direct mail marketing. And then just as we're about to send yeah. out mailers, we find a decent property on the MLS, put in a low ball offer and, and we get it. Yeah. So we never really had to get to that point yet. Yeah. We've, we were currently driving around just counting meters inside mm -hmm. of houses and, just jotting down the addresses mm -hmm. and all of a sudden a triplex showed up and we, um, it's a bad problem to have, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> good problem I mean, it's a good problem. To have. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad problem. To have, so yeah. But yeah, so they've all been on the MLS at, at this point, except one, yeah. except that one. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So is this the kind of thing that once this is up and running, you guys could, you feel like you could leave, leave the country for a bit of time? I love that you said country because we have talked about that. Yes, we would love to. I mean, that's definitely the end goal. We want to get to a point where we have the people and the systems in place where it does not rely on us to keep functioning. Right now, it couldn't. Yeah, no, it couldn't. But uh, yeah, we would love to. We, we, Like I said before, we're big beach people. We want to be able to get on a boat and head south with no worries and continue to either maintain our portfolio or continue to grow it with no worries that that things are going uh, crazy back mm -hmm. in uh, Jersey. Yeah, but we honeymooned in Thailand and yeah. have had many conversations of not necessarily moving there because I think our families would disown us, but spending <laughs> ample amount of time there. 
What we area? may have been looking at properties while we were there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What area were you guys in? We were in Bangkok, Chiang Mai, Koh Samui, Koh Penang. Yep. And we went okay. to Koh Tao for the day. Yeah. Yeah. But we loved Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai was awesome. Would love to go back. (laughs) Yeah, oh my gosh, highly recommend. And we actually went off season. And so prices were extremely, even more affordable if they can through Thailand. And we got, had great weather. So we enjoyed it. But yes, we definitely want to go back and explore other parts of the country. And if we can have that rent coming in still each month and not necessarily have to respond to those maintenance calls from, you know, 24 hours away, that'd be great. Yeah. So have you guys, I know that we can, we can cut this if we're, if you guys are not ready to talk about it, are you guys working on a new video series? Do you have that ready to talk about yet? Or do you, or do you want to wait? I think we uh, could talk yeah, about I'm it. Okay, I don't see about it. <laughs> okay. So hold on a second. Let me, let me rephrase the question. Uh, okay. We can just go right into it. So you guys have a new video series you're working on to teach people about rental property investing. Can you talk to us about it? Sure. So we're basically doing a kind of like video vlog, just day by day following us along on what we're doing. So it's really just taking you along with us. Everything from... So it actually starts with closing day on our most recent project, which is the triplex. So you don't get to see any of the negotiations beforehand, um, but you get to see the day we close, we're signing at the closing table, and then all of the re- renovations up until this point. And hopefully, we'll just keep taking the viewers along with us. It really is just kind of like a video diary. There will be lessons throughout, but it will kind of just be whatever's happening. So when the hot water heater started leaking, you know, we grabbed the camera and you guys will be able to come with us. Yeah. Yeah. We get, I mean, we get so many questions, just, just all times of real estate investment, whether it be purchasing, managing, renovation. So hopefully we we like just being totally transparent, mm-hmm. showing the ugly, showing the good, and showing it re- realistically on how how it happens. So that's why I'm really excited to see it all together in in one spot. Definitely, Very and hopefully, be a little entertaining, a little education. Uh, I love that. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I think, is the one that talks about just document what you do. Every day, just, you know, you, you're worried about producing content, just document what you're doing and how you're doing it. And there, there will be people that find value in that. So. 100% love Gary V. Document, don't create has been something that we have been kind of keeping in mind throughout. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we first started investing, it's cool to read the stuff that was purposely created for you, but it's, I found even more valuable to just kind of have a backseat while other people were doing things. I want to see what are you doing when you first wake up in the morning? What is it like to negotiate? What are these things? And being able to come along for the ride, I, I think is always the most, most valuable thing. Yeah. I feel like that's why Instagram stories are really popular, at least for me. I mean, I don't think Neil really watches them very much, but I, you know, I like people's feeds, but I find more of the interesting things and I can glean, you know, if it's someone that I'm trying to follow for knowledge or whatever, I get a lot more out of it there. But that day-to-day is very interesting for people. So if you can kind of cultivate your content to make it even to like kind of put it out in that way, it can be beneficial for everyone because a lot of people consume that easier. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I am a huge advocate of throw it out there on Instagram. If you ever, if you have a question about something, throw it out there. You're going to get so many people responding. The, the community, the real estate community on Instagram is awesome. I mean, awesome. We've had, I've had problems during renovation, water issues. I just throw a question out there 
and I'll get all types of responses from all over the world. I mean, it's the, the community is really great. Definitely a great way to kind of crowdsource information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I actually have not, I have not, you're, you're, my wife is better at, at Instagram <laughs> than I am. She just is. <laughs> and, I, but I've never, <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't made use of it as much as I should for actually trying to get information, putting stuff out there to get information. It's usually just, I'm on sort of transmit. So it's a great, yeah. great tip. Okay. So here we are in March 29th, uh, 2020. We're sort of in the, in the, uh, beginning, the beginning, I hope. Oh, I, I hope, yeah. you know, we don't co- want it to be the beginning, but what we assume is the beginning <laughs> of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, uh, it's affecting everybody worldwide. You know, it's impacting us. And our first question is, are you guys seeing any impact on your real estate side right now? Us personally, we, we haven't felt the impact that some people have that we've talked to. We've really set our reserves up so far to set us up that in case we have vac- – because it really would essentially fall under vacancy if they can't pay and lose their job. Lauren has set us up really well for that. We had a little bit of a setback with renovations. Little, you yeah, know, we, we can't get permits processed because the office is on limited hours. And so it's just, it's a little slower. Luckily, it's a vacant property. So they, the uh, inspectors are still going to be able to come out. But if we had, if we had somebody living there and they needed work done, we wouldn't be able to get anybody to get out there. Definitely. But I mean, there have been a few things that we're doing, you know, obviously we're trying to be proactive and communicate with our tenants. Fortunately, none of them, none of their jobs have been too impacted to the point where they're either laid off or furloughed and they're not able to pay. You know, hopefully that holds out. Like you said, this might be the beginning and we don't know how bad it's going to get. And then we're just taking other precautions to make sure that we are okay moving forward. So like Kyle said, we're just making sure our reserves are okay and finding other resources for other areas of cash. We started a HELOC process before COVID really became a thing. And very fortunately, we're able, we're going to be able to close in a few days. So just having that line of credit just as a backup has, is being, is very comforting for me. I will not lie and say that I've been fine through all this. I was very stressed the first couple of days when there was a lot of unknown and there still is a lot of unknown, but having this line just, makes me feel a little bit bit better. I can sleep a little better at night. And then we're just doing other small things. Like we're just going to postpone some large CapEx items. We were going to redo our garage possibly this summer, but depending, we might hold that off. And then gives us a lot of time to create those documents that I've been wanting to create, which is good. So (laughs) really just been focusing on that. And then just, you know, staying in the loop, staying connected with everyone, staying educated so that if we make out okay and that there is some sort of opportunity at the end with the market that we'll be able to capitalize on it. Has your state government put any like uh, like uh, restrictions on evictions or anything like that? We've seen that in a lot of places. So evictions have been suspended and obviously we have shelter or not shelter in place, but we all have to stay home. The good thing for us is that construction is being counted as a uh, essential industry. So we still have been able to do some renovations where I know in our neighboring state, Pennsylvania, construction regardless um, has just been shut down. And we have a lot of friends who are real estate investors slash contractors, and that's their full-time business. And so unfortunately, they've been affected greatly, but we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we'll see. 
Well, Lauren and Kyle, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Of course. So we have a blog, rentalstowealth.com, but where we are most active on is definitely Instagram, which is at rentalstowealth. We respond to every single DM, every single comment. If you have any questions, please reach out. We're always happy to answer them. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was really great talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Okay, that was Lauren and Kyle Klugston from Rentals to Wealth on Instagram. Uh, definitely check out their Instagram feed. It's really, really good and I highly recommend it. For me, and we've talked about this, this has been a lesson learned on a lot of our previous podcasts and something we learned as well, is that the way to combat analysis paralysis is to is stop trying to hit a home run. Stop mm-hmm. trying to make that first deal a perfect deal. Don't do something that's going to get you in trouble, but just realize that it's okay to not hit a home run on that first deal. Just get a base hit. It's not going to make you rich, but you want to focus on finding a deal that's also not going to bankrupt you if things go bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something that I may have found just interesting was how much they are DIYing it. And and it's it shows that using skills you already have can be really beneficial you know, not everybody has that DIY skill and it is something you can learn, but really harnessing the fact that, that Kyle does have those skills already. And then kind of adding on to that has been, you know, really beneficial for them to be able to do this in a way that makes sense for where they're out at right now. And a lot of times people would say, well, you shouldn't be doing DIY, especially if you're already doing other things and that there's a lot of negative pieces there, but they've really figured out how to make it work based on their individual skills. <laughs> uh, as far as knowledge, what would you, what do you think the, the key piece of knowledge that they needed to learn or to effectively do what they're doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it seemed like they learned a lot sort of on the job. I think maybe a lot of it was just to be able to learn, have a foundation and then learn as you go. Like, you know, go from there. So, you know, you you don't want to just hop into something and not have any idea, but Lauren did a lot of research and then she just had to get to a point where she just had to to start doing it and learn from there. And that seemed to be really helpful for them. Yeah. I I think it was on two sides. You've got the the landlording side and Lauren said she had to learn how to be, not trust people. Yeah. You know, learn how to screen tenants correctly. Yeah. Uh, and actually, in their case, what she had them do is self-screen yeah, so that they didn't end up uh, chasing their tail trying to place tenants who, who they don't want as tenants to begin with. Yeah, And then on Kyle's side, on the construction side, I thought it was interesting. He talked about learning to renovate by trade, which is do the plumbing mm-hmm. and then do the mechanicals and then and then do the roof and then do the sheetrock and things like that, rather than renovating by unit, which is what they, they did their first time. Yeah. Time. I saw you writing notes, so I'm going to let you talk about it. Well, it it really depended on what stage of they're in. I mean, Mm -hmm. if they're in just, just property sort of management mode, it's requires very little work. They Mm -hmm. said, get good tenants and it becomes a lot easier. And then most, it's mostly just kind of, you know, an hour or two a week to manage their tenants. And then Kyle's got to handle the maintenance calls and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then if they are turning over a unit, she said it's about four to six hours a week. And then if they are in uh, acquisition and renovation mode, it's it's like another full-time job. All right. Last question. Could they do this from anywhere in the world? Not right now, they said. 
but yeah. that is definitely their goal. It's going to take um, getting their their portfolio into more of a maintenance mode and mm-hmm. hiring uh, hiring people to handle the tasks that they don't want to do anymore and setting up those systems and things like that. Isn't that sort of always the thing? It's pretty much always the thing. Get your people and systems into place. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And then... <laughs> you can step I mean, away and go to yeah. Thailand for six months. Yeah. I mean, even I think that like applies to other, any kind of investment. If you've got, you know, even if you're investing in the stock market, you're kind of having people or a system or something do that work for you. If you're doing, you know, you're, you know, investing in apartment education, like there's a team, there's people, so mm-hmm. there's systems. The, those, I mean, that's how the world runs. So that should be the goal. If your goal is, is to have that location independence or ability to kind of step away. Okay. I think we've had a few people who have said that, that they don't care about that, but it's been few and far between. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay. Right. That was Lauren and Kyle Clugston from Rentals to Wealth on Instagram. Be sure and check them out. We really enjoyed our conversation with them. So until next time, let's hit the road. Bye. And if you like this podcast, we would really appreciate it. If you take just a few minutes and leave a review for us on iTunes, it's really simple to do. Just go to road to familyfreedom.com slash review for links and instructions. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week until then safe travels.